All right, welcome to Liquid Church, everyone. Give our campuses a big hand. We're glad you're with us today. Hey, all of our campuses, uh, actually, we have to give a special, special wishes today, special birthday wishes. It is the one-year anniversary of Liquid Garwood. Can we say happy birthday to those guys? They're doing an incredible job. They launched about a year ago, and uh, Pastor Keon and his team just do an amazing work there in Union County. Um, but it's not just happy birthday, Garwood. It's a really happy birthday to the rest of you, uh, because this is the year that um, our church turns 10 years old. And we're kind of celebrating that this, this fall season. Um, our church officially launched back in 2007, and now it's 2017. So we turn 10 years old this year. We, we're all grown up, right? Uh, and, you know, some people have said, oh, we should throw a party. You know, we, we should sell celebration for ourselves. Uh, but that's not our style. We are an externally focused church. In other words, we exist to bless and serve people who are not in the church, but outside the church walls, our neighbors. So we came up with kind of a fun uh, idea. For our 10th birthday, we said instead of receiving gifts, how about we give away 10,000 hours of community loving service to our neighbors in an epic outreach called Love Week. So the week of October 29th, we're leaving our seats and hitting the streets at all our campuses to really go out and serve our neighbors. We're talking about homeless veterans, uh, single parents, kids with special needs, the elderly, victims of domestic abuse. We're going to actually unleash this kind of army of compassion. And I want you to imagine, it's kind of like cutting your arm, and a river of red flowing out into the towns and cities to love on our neighbors. How's that sound for a birthday gift? Good? That's what we're going to do, okay? Now, here's the cool part. This is kind of making history. This is the first time ever we have over 400 outreaches planned at all of our campuses. You can go online and take a look. And we really want every, you know, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving Christian who calls Liquid home to put our faith into action and sign up to serve at one or two of these outreaches this fall. It's really incredible. If you go to our website, it is remarkable. And uh, this past week, a lot of our small groups signed up. We're encouraging groups to serve together. You just go to liquidchurch.com slash loveweek, and you will see all of the outreaches uh, available, over 4,000 volunteer slots. So group leaders, I just want to encourage you, make sure you sign up your group this week, and that's how you get one of these sweet t-shirts. And we're going to kind of flood out Love Comes to a Town Near You. Now, parents, special word to you. I want to encourage you to sign up to serve with your kids we uh, designed this really to be family-friendly because you know how the fall goes, right? Like things, you know, the schedule, and now there's school and soccer practice and all this kind of stuff. But this is kind of like a soul-shaping opportunity for your family, you know, especially if you live in the suburbs. This is about modeling for your kids that part of walking with Christ is actually taking time, making time in the schedule to love on those who are closest to his heart. So sometimes here's a very spiritual act. You have to unplug the Xbox. Imagine this and leave the suburban cocoon and really engage uh, with the needs of the real world. What I mean by that is Jesus said, um, blessed are the poor in spirit. He didn't say blessed are the middle class. He said blessed are the poor. And serving those who are on the margins of society, the least, the last lost, that is the heart of what it means to love people like Jesus loved us. Now, why are we doing this? Especially if you're like new to our church. We are like, why are you pouring so much time and energy, all this money and muscle into serving the poor. And here's the answer. We are not doing this because we're good people, <laughs> okay? This church has a lot of nasty people in it. It's not just like all good people, like all just like saints, you know, holy roll. It's not because we're good people, it's because we're God's people, amen? We have been loved by a radical God, and when we profess to follow Jesus Christ, not just as a personal savior, 
but a living Lord, meaning he's resurrected and his, his dream is to make all things new. We're joining in that business with Jesus. And so we want to follow him and do exactly what he did, which is invest his life in people who are living on the margins, who are number one on God's kingdom agenda. And so today I kind of want to open your eyes to uh, the neighbors in need all around us in a message I'm calling Like a Good Neighbor. And uh, this is found in week three of your group's guide. So if you have your group's guide, you can kind of take this out and follow along. Um, you guys know the jingle, right? Like a good neighbor. You're all brainwashed. That's incredible. That's, that's how good advertising works, right? Uh, truth is, Jesus had a very different definition of neighbor than we do, right? Like when I say neighbor, right, a lot of folks think like, oh yeah, the people who live next door to me, right? My next door neighbors. But in a state as, you know, diverse and as heavily populated as New Jersey, we've got 8.8 million people, sardine packed into 21 counties. That idea of who's my neighbor can be hard to grasp. Uh, this weekend, you know, we're driving just, you know, out and about, kind of going from town to town. And that's kind of how New Jersey is. But sometimes it's, it's weird to think, who's your neighbor? Like, I mean, you drive through Nutley, and it's right next to Newark, but are, are they neighbors? Uh, if you live in Basking Ridge, why should you care about single parents in Bridgewater? What does upper class Westfield have to do with West Patterson and inner city kids. See, Jesus tackles this thorny question and explodes our concept of, who's my neighbor, in Luke chapter 10. And that's where we're going to camp out today. You'll find this scripture printed in your, your group's guide. It's really one of the most famous teachings in the New Testament. It's a story Jesus called the parable of the good Samaritan. And like, even if you're like new to church, you probably already know the story, right? Everyone sort of knows this, the basic story. A guy gets mugged, right? It's a New Jersey story. He gets mugged. <laughs> And then nobody stops to help him. That's the New York part of the story, right? Uh, they, they, all sort of, they all pass by, uh, but there's this like surprise twist. And I want to give you fresh glasses this morning because um, God kind of opened my eyes this week in a profound way. So let's read this together. Luke chapter 10. It's found in your group's guide. We'll follow along and then we'll break down Jesus' teaching. Here's what it says. On one occasion, an expert in the law, so this is a lawyer, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit, what, eternal life? The big question. Well, Jesus said, what's written in the law? This would be like the law of Moses, like the Ten Commandments reply. How do you read it or like kind of interpret it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your, let's read it together, all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and what? Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, ding, 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 correct answer. Why'd you go and do that, right? The lawyer actually got the, uh, the question right. He said, what's the most important thing? It's really two things that become one thing. It is loving God, so this vertical relationship, what's one? But then the second, the outflow is, you end up loving your neighbors. People who are all in your path, the love of God flows through you out to them. So you get a two for one. That's your dominant life principle. Life is all about the love of God, receiving it and then expressing it to others. But now watch this. This is kind of funny. But he wanted to justify himself, meaning to prove he was doing all that. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said this story. This is kind of funny. He says, a man was going down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho, where he was attacked by who? By robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, so he's naked. Uh, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. But a priest, oh, here's the good news. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he what? He passed by on the other side. 
so to a Levite, this was a worker in the temple. So it's like a church leader. When he came to the place and saw the guy, he what? Passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, enemy of the Jews, as he traveled, came to where the guy was lying. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. In fact, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on what? Oil and wine. Now, I know that seems weird. Like, why, you know, is it salad dressing? Like, what, what's he doing here? Uh, first century oil and wine is actually an antiseptic. Okay, the alcohol from the wine would kind of disinfect the wound. The oil would kind of soothe it. So this guy's ministering to this man medicinally. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and did what? He took care of him. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The next day, he took out two denarii, two paychecks, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I'll reimburse you. I'll pay you back for any extra expense you may have. So he's like, I want to open a tab. Take care of this guy. And Jesus says, here's the punchline. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert in the law replied, um, the one who had mercy on him? And Jesus told him, yeah, why don't you go do that? <laughs> See, right now, guys, there's a lot of people in New Jersey who I think feel like the man in Jesus' story. Battered, bruised, forgotten. Over the last 10 years, New Jersey really has taken an unprecedented beating. In a lot of ways, it started with the recession in 2008. You remember that, when the spike in unemployment hit its highest and families got hit very hard. Hurricane Irene uh, slammed into our state in 2011. Then, of course, Hurricane Sandy washed away hundreds of homes. And after thousands of hours of rebuilding, right, the, the boardwalks and the beach towns are starting to bounce back. But in a lot of ways, New Jersey families have suffered, and some have never recovered. In fact, over the last eight years, we have now gone through 11 credit downgrades as a state. And some families are still on the brink of solvency. In fact, this week I received an email for, with this subject line, struggling. Uh, somebody wrote, they said, hi, Tim, I'm asking for your prayers. Unfortunately, things have really taken a bad turn for me and my family. I was laid off from my job for a second time in two years. I've been job searching since then, but not having any luck. I think it's my age that's getting in the way. I get responses and interviews, but no one will hire me. I'm working seven days a week at my part-time job, but it's only 10 bucks an hour. I'm short on rent this month and won't have enough to keep my car or pay car insurance. All of my bills are past due. My electricity is about to be cut off. We really need your prayers. I've been so depressed and discouraged. If I lose my apartment, me and my kids will be homeless. I've applied for public assistance, but could only get Medicaid for me and my daughter. And this is the, the line that broke my heart. I never thought I'd be in this position at this point in my life. It's a man in his early 50s. Please pray for me and my family that God has mercy on us and provides a job soon. You know, that letter broke my heart. And um, obviously, you know, we responded. We're working to help connect him to employment. And it's hard because, like, we can't help everybody. We get that. We often say it liquid, but let's do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. But when I like look out of my suburban cocoon at, at my neighbors, the wider needs of the people around me, my heart gets stretched by that letter, by the story Jesus tells here in Luke 10, because in a lot of ways, even though this parable took place, you know, 2,000 years ago, I think you could see it on the nightly news. In fact, you know, we always read the Bible from the NIV version. It means the New International Version. But I was like, today, let's read from the NJV, the New Jersey version. I think if you rewrote this scripture, it might read something like this. 
A man was going down from Newark to Camden, where he was jumped by thugs. They stripped him of his Nikes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. See, in Jesus' story, a guy gets, gets jumped, right? He's actually jumped by a gang. But lucky for him, Jesus says, along come two church people, good news, <laughs> who see him lying in the street. But what do they do? They step over and pass by on the other side. They leave him for dead until a Samaritan offers the one thing we desperately need in New Jersey, love. Not sentimental, romantic love but a special kind of strong and a fierce love known as compassion. Can you say this word? Compassion. Notice we put it over the cross because compassion is actually cruciform. It actually is, is formed by the cross of Jesus Christ. See, worldly sorrow is just kind of like sympathy. Well, you feel bad. Maybe you identify a little, but it's actually just pity, which sort of feels sometimes condescending. But Christian compassion means you're just so deeply moved by someone's situation that you're like, i got to make this personal. You don't just feel bad. You feel like I've got to personally enter their brokenness in order to help rescue and serve them. The way that Jesus did for us when we're lying spiritually dead on the side of the road, broken, beaten, bruised by sin. <laughs> See, in Jesus' story, guys, there are three very profound truths that I think show us what it looks like in New Jersey to radically love our neighbors with the love of Christ. First, notice something interesting. Jesus says, um, restoration, that is repairing people's lives. Restoration is more than observation. In other words, it's more than just looking from the safety of our television and being, oh, too bad for them. Or going in our Facebook feed and like putting a little emoji with tears. Oh, sorry for you. <laughs> it, it's, it's opening your eyes and looking at the real world and saying, look at that single parent who's struggling to pay rent. Look at that flooded family who was just flooded out. They lost everything in Puerto Rico. It's seeing the elderly person who is just languishing in assisted living. Nobody visits them. Loneliness. Or it's a homeless veteran by a storm grade at Newark Penn Station. Jesus says, you can't follow me. And then just passively observe the plight of the poor and just kind of shake your head and say, man, somebody's got to do something about that. You know, I pray somebody calls 9-11 for them. I pray the government steps in. If not you and me, then who? If it's not the church of Jesus Christ, then it's like, let's close our doors. See, don't miss the twist here. Jesus said the priest and the Levite, the two church leaders, were passing by from Jerusalem to Jericho. Do you guys know what was in Jerusalem? The temple. <laughs> so these guys are on their way home from church, right? It's the Sabbath. They just heard the word of God. These are church people. They literally had just come from worship service, and they probably, now look, they probably had all sorts of excuses for not stopping, you know? They're like, well, the service ran long. Pastor Nathan, he just goes on and on, you know? <laughs> We're already late for lunch at Chick-fil-A, man. There's a line for, I know, Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday. I get it. Okay, I get it. you get the idea, <laughs> right? They'd done their duty <laughs> by going to church on the weekend, and that's the danger for folks like me and you, <laughs> that that we invest an hour at church, that we sing songs in the name of Jesus, we are the preaching of God's word, and remain unchanged. Not from a hard heart. We're just too busy and blind to the needs of the neighbors on our doorstep. In fact, we step over our neighbors in need on the way home. That's what happens 
when Christian faith is privatized, when you hear it with your head but not with your heart. Restoration is more than observation, just looking. You must see the need in front of you and recognize, you know what, neighbors aren't just next to us. Second point if you're taking notes, right? Jesus tells a story because a lawyer says, hey, who's my neighbor? And in the suburbs of New Jersey, that question seems very easy to answer, right? You're like, oh, the neighbor? You know, it's the people in the, the condo next to me, you know, in the apartment across the hall. It's my neighbor. It's the guy who puts his recycling out on the wrong day. Every Thursday I see him. That's, that's my neighbor, okay? Uh, it's the family with kids and soccer. We saw them at back to school night. As Americans, we think neighboring is about proximity, how close you live, or sameness. That's what the suburbs foster. But Jesus is like, he explodes this notion. He says, not so fast. Your neighbors are not just those who look like you look. Your neighbors are not just those who live where you live or drive what you drive or vote how you vote. In fact, the person who helps the broken, battered man is a Samaritan. This is the sworn enemy, the pagan enemy of the Jews. There was this deep racial hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Think of it this way. Jews like saw themselves as, they, they literally called themselves God's gift. They were the racially pure descendants of Abraham. When they went shopping, they went shopping at the Short Hills Mall, people, okay? <laughs> Samaritans were like a mixed race. They, they shopped at Jersey Gardens. These were like, they did not mix. But you notice something in the text? Race doesn't matter to the Samaritan. He doesn't see the guy and he doesn't see someone brown. He doesn't see the color black. He doesn't see white or yellow. He just sees red. Someone's suffering. There's someone who has a need here and he's moved. And Jesus says, you know what? Your neighbors aren't always those who are next to you. They're anyone of any race, creed, or background who needs help and the Father puts in your path. And so will the love of Jesus flow through you to them? See, being a neighbor doesn't mean you step over. It means you cross the street. You actually step over economic divides. You step over language barriers. You step over political differences to meet that need right where they're at. This would have shocked people. We know this story so well, it doesn't shock us anymore. So let me read the NJ version to you, New Jersey version. Jesus might have said, a, a Muslim man was driving down the Garden State Parkway, and he lay bleeding in the shoulder. Lucky for him, a Baptist pastor drove by in his big SUV. And then a Catholic priest came along, and, and, and they pulled and looked, but then they swerved around and kept going. But then along, Jesus says, along came a, a Jewish lesbian, and... She, she pulled her Prius over to the side of the road and, and she got out of her hybrid and she bandaged the Muslim man and, and drives him to the hospital where she paid his bill be, because Obamacare wouldn't cover it. And, 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 and Jesus said, now which of those three was a neighbor to the Muslim man who got mugged? You see, it's what it looks like. To love your neighbor with the love of Christ, it doesn't have to do with proximity or politics or even religion. Verse 37, do you see this? The, the Jewish lawyer, when Jesus says, who's, the, who, who's the, you know, the good Samaritan here? He can't even bring himself to say who was the good neighbor. He just says, the one who had mercy. He can't say it. Who's our neighbor? New Jersey. People across the street, at your campus, just proximity. Or has the Holy Spirit opened your eyes wide open to the needs that God places in your daily path?
This, guys, is why it's beautiful to be a Christian. The media portrays Christianity as like, oh, those are the narrow-minded, conservative, bigoted kind of people. But Jesus is like, he's like authentic, Christ-centered, biblical Christianity. It's just the opposite. It actually opens up your world. It broadens your perspective. With neighbor defined this way, who's left out of the love of God? There's neighbor needs of Christ all around us. The question is, do you have eyes to see? Do you have a heart to help? Because Christ-centered compassion always takes time to intentionally cross the street. That's what my friend Brett D'Alessandro did. He has a heart like that. Brett is a Jersey guy born in uh, Brona, New Jersey. He's a 20-something. He's a millennial, raised in Essex County. And um, Brett, is what's really cool about him is he served in the Marines. He had a heart to serve our country. And he was deployed to Afghanistan in 2013. But when Brett came back, he said, Tim, I was a broken man. It was still my 20s, early 20s, a very hard deployment. He saw and experienced horrible, horrible things. And when he came home, he was suffering from PTSD, right? Post-traumatic stress disorder. Not just that, depression, anxiety. The VA hospital put him on nine different medications. And he began using drugs and alcohol to kind of numb out the memories that he was having. But in the course of Brett's recovery, he discovered he wasn't alone. Did you know this? There are over 1.5 million veterans on the verge of homelessness. You, you probably see some of them. Maybe you, maybe you step around them, around Newark Penn Station. And it's tragic, right? I mean, for people who sacrificed to serve our nation to feel forgotten all alone. But Brett, Brett saw this need and he did something about it. He wasn't even done with his recovery. One winter day, Brett saw a fellow veteran on the streets here in New Jersey, and it was winter. He said, that guy must be cold. And so he went and he bought a backpack. He went to Target and bought a backpack, and then he went to like CVS or Rite Aid. He said, you know what, I'm going to fill it with toiletries. And he started putting, you know, toothpaste and toothbrush, deodorant, hand warmers, hat, gloves. and, And he put it all into this backpack, and he went back, and he gave it to that homeless veteran. And the impact was life changing. Not just for that homeless veteran, but for Brett, who has now made it his life's mission to get a tactical survival backpack to every homeless veteran living on the streets of New Jersey. I visited with Brett last week, and I asked him to share his story with you. Check this out. Hey, guys, I'm here with Brett D'Alessandro from Backpacks for Life, a born and bred New Jersey guy. Brett, tell us where you grew up and what branch of the military did you serve in? So I'm Brett D'Alessandro. I grew up in Verona, New Jersey. I was in the Marine Corps and I deployed in 2013 to Afghanistan. So Brett, tell us when you came back to New Jersey from your tour in Afghanistan, what was that experience like? What were some of the struggles that you had? So I was just very anxious, on edge. I was shaking constantly. Um, I, I couldn't eat. I lost like 30 pounds. Um, I couldn't go out. I just, I just wanted to basically hunker down into my bed and, and never leave. Tell us how Backpacks for Life got started. There's a story behind this. So when I got back from Afghanistan, I was put on a medical hold. I was up in Rhode Island during the winter, and I saw a guy. He had a sign that says, homeless veteran, please help me out. So I was like, you know what? I got an extra backpack and supplies. Let me go back and get it and give it to him. And so I did. And so here's one of the backpacks for life that you give out. Tell us a little bit. What's in the typical backpack here? You know, toiletries, hat, socks, gloves, ponchos, um, a resource list of basically a really, really essential organizations, um, things that 
they can uh, get uh, access to at the VA, mostly like housing, clothes, rehabs for drug and alcohol and, and for even PTSD and uh, other underlying issues that veterans face coming home. Liquid Church is donating 2,700 backpacks. So this is a lot of these backpacks kind of loaded with supplies for veterans. Tell us some of the places where these are gonna be going. So we're gonna send 200 to California. Three weeks when we're going to Albany, we're gonna be giving out around 300. And then uh, other ways we have veterans contacting us for a backpack, civilians contacting us about the, of a veteran they know of that's on the streets, and uh, police officers will contact us and we'll give them a backpack to keep in their, their car to, if they see a veteran, yeah. give it to them. Yeah, guys, that's the power of compassion. When you have somebody who, you know what, we have our own needs and issues, but when we're able to reach out and help those brothers and sisters God puts in our paths, a life can literally change and be turned around. Brett, you're living proof of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. We're grateful. We're looking forward to partnering yeah, with you. Absolutely. Thank Backpacks you so much. for Life Liquid. Let's go. Hit yes. the streets. Guys, Brett is with us today. Can we thank him for his leadership and his vision? We thank you, Brett. That's awesome. That's a millennial who's making a difference. That's a millennial who's making a difference with his faith. You know, I think I, I speak. I think I speak for all of us when I say we can't thank you enough in the thousands of men and women of our armed forces who have sacrificed extraordinary ways on behalf of our country. You know, Brett uh, is pretty cool. I mean, Brett, again, he's a millennial who's making a difference, 20-something. So he started this nonprofit, it's now a 501c3, out of his parents' garage. <laughs> pretty cool. And today I'm excited to announce that uh, our church, we're going to partner with Backpacks for Life this fall. We have purchased 2,700 survival backpacks, and today we're cutting the service short so you can go out and pack one so we can give them the homeless veterans this fall. That's what we're going to do as a church, what we're going to give ourselves to. This is a God-sized goal. This is kind of our down payment. It's kind of a jump start on Love Week, and there's really no way we can reach our, our God-sized goal of 10,000 hours without enlisting every man and woman's help today at the end of the service. We're going to ask you to help us. Because we're going to pack these, we're going to give them to Brett, and his team is actually going to go out this fall, not only New Jersey, but New York, all the way to California, they're requesting this. And so we're going to kind of double his capacity as a church, which is so cool. Come alongside somebody who God's spirit just doing something through. But you know, this week, Brett told me something kind of interesting. He said, Tim, nobody knows this, 22 veterans commit suicide every day. 22. So you understand what this backpack represents? It's, it's not just relief supplies. This is a powerful symbol that you are not forgotten, that you are not alone, that God sees you, we see you, and we care. And we're not just gonna cross to the other side of the street and pretend we don't see it or ignore the need. Love always crosses the street and actually gets down on its knees to personally minister the care and compassion of Christ to a person at their place of deepest need and need for healing. So guys, we're gonna invest our time, our energy, all of our you know, muscle and money as a church this fall because compassion has a cost. Compassion always has a cost. Last point from Jesus' story. He says the Samaritan crossed the street, put the man on his donkey, and took him to an inn to take care of him, kind of like a, a hospital where he could recuperate, and gave two denarii. You know how much that was? Two denarii was basically two days' wages. So the guy says, I'm going to give two of my paychecks to take care of the guy. And then it says he put down his, his Amex, <laughs> and he said, start a tab. And when I come back, I'm going to pay for whatever it takes to rehabilitate this guy. In other words, as this man recovers, I'm not just, it's not just like spot 
recovery or relief. He goes, I am committed to his long-term restoration. So, so love has a price tag. Christian compassion always has a price because it's cruciform. See, get this. We don't serve to feel good about ourselves. We serve because we look at the cross and you just are overwhelmed with gratitude for what God's son sacrificed to serve and to save us. Amen? See, the good Samaritan points to the great Samaritan, Jesus Christ, who with great compassion, he sees us broken on the side of the road from the window of heaven, broken, bruised, and battered, dead in sin. And he says, I'm going to leave heaven and I'm going to go pay their bill. And I'm going to pay with my life. That's what it looks like, guys, to love your neighbor. It means you're willing to sacrifice for people who can't possibly pay you back. Jesus Christ is the great Samaritan to whom the great, the good Samaritan points and to whose footsteps we follow. We follow him. So understand, when you, when you slow down your schedule this fall, when you schedule time to serve somebody at their point of deep need, it may cost you. It may cost you your time. It will cost you your energy, and it can be messy. But you know what happens? The love of Christ floods your world and changes it. <laughs> You actually become, as you open your schedule, your hands, you become radically generous with your time because you realize your neighbor is anybody in need who the Father puts in your path and says, I trust you to yield your life to Jesus and let his spirit flow through you. And we do that, guys, out of gratitude. We can never pay God back, but we can pay it forward. We can show other people what it's like to have the love of Christ invade your life and be your dominant life principle. So this fall, that's why we're investing our money. It's why we're investing your muscle to make this happen. And really, this is, guys, this is just the start of a season of serving. It starts with packing backpacks today for homeless veterans. But to do 10,000 hours, guys, we need every single man, woman, and child at every single campus to put on one of these red T-shirts and sign up for at least one or two of the outreaches that you'll find on our website. We have over 400 local outreaches at your campus with slots for over 4,000 volunteers. And if you go today to liquidchurch.com and it's slash love week, you'll see the complete list of all the different neighbors we're serving. Today we start with homeless veterans, but let me give you a little sampling of what you're gonna find. We've got opportunities to serve senior citizens who are in assisted living. In other words, could you spend part of your Saturday afternoon with your kids actually talking and playing games in loving and serving the elderly who maybe feel forgotten. We're throwing Halloween parties for homeless kids. There are, there are children right now in transitional housing and they don't have anything. And so they said, could you throw a Halloween party and provide costumes and cupcakes? Look at this. We are redeeming Satan's birthday with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the idea. You got it? We got Habitat for Humanity. We're going to build three homes this fall for low-income families in New Jersey. So if you like to swing a hammer, do heavy lifting, sign up for one of those three projects. Hygiene kits for the relief bus, very similar to veterans. We have a robust partnership with New York City Relief in New York and New Jersey. And um, we're gonna also serve, this is kind of fun, meals at the Ronald McDonald House. You know that's a facility for kids who are sick with like serious life-threatening illness. We're gonna serve meals to those families as their kids are going through treatment in the hospital. And we're gonna be making over, here's another one, uh, a safe house for victims of domestic violence. We're actually going to spend a weekend loving on and serving the women and children who are victims of domestic violence. We were invited to come by the YWCA of Union County and just kind of update the, the bedrooms with fresh bedding and drapes and paint and decorate the family room and really make this safe house feel like home 
for women and kids who are in transition from domestic abusive situations. Guys, that's just a sampling. We have over 400 different outreaches like this for you to choose from. And I just want to encourage you to sign up this afternoon or this week for one or two of them. Um, just go to the website. You can see they're sorted by weekday, day of the week you can serve, the city that you're in, or the, the liquid campus that you attend. And most outreaches take place the week of October 29th. That's important to know. Um, they are either at your campus or very close by, and they're family-friendly. We wanted this so parents and kids can serve together. Some are special needs-friendly. So group leaders, just make sure your group gets signed up to serve this week. If you're not in a group, you can serve too. People ask that. They said, I didn't make it into a group. Can I serve? Yes. Just visit uh, liquidchurch.com slash loveweek to sign up. And when you show up at the outreach, you're going to get one of these sweet red love t-shirts to show you're part of the love movement. Remember, love is willing to cross the street. Amen? It's also willing to cross state lines. This is kind of a cool thing that I think the Holy Spirit did. Um, as we were planning Love Week, we just felt like God um, just kind of prompting us to, to expand our vision, spread the love beyond New Jersey to our brothers and sisters in Houston and Florida and Puerto Rico who were devastated by Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Marie over the last month. So let me tell you what we're doing. I'll start first with Houston. As you know, Harvey dumped a trillion tons of water on America's fourth largest city, natural catastrophe, unprecedented damage. Last month, I spoke with Chris Sees, the pastor of Ecclesia Church, partners with us. Over 1 million homes flooded, and people are now making their way back. He told me about one woman in his church who went back to get her cat and was electrocuted in her living room, waist-deep water. He told me about a dad who carried out his four-year-old son and a four-day-old baby up to his neck in water. And so folks there are moving from the kind of the, the rescue and relief now to recover and rebuilding. And so as a church, we're going to send a special relief offering. We actually already sent it to directly support their recovery efforts. In fact, we wrote two checks um, this past month to Ecclesia Church in Houston and then to Hope City Church in Sarasota, Florida, as they recover from Irma. And today I am just like thrilled to announce we are writing a third generous relief offering check to our brothers and sisters in Puerto Rico. Uh, we've been in touch this week with La Iglesia Cristiana Metropolitana, located in San Juan. Cairo, did I get that right? I've been practicing that all week, man. Um, amazing people. You guys know Puerto Rico, the island, most of it is without electricity still. So food, shelter, generators, the basics are just very scarce. And so we're going to partner with our brothers and sisters at the Metropolitan Christian Church in San Juan uh, as they distribute thousands of hope relief kits to people who are in the temporary shelters uh, filled with relief, toiletries, supplies, food, and water. And actually, their big thing right now is a Costco gift cards. Um, Costco has more supplies than the government has uh, right now on the roads, which <laughs> tell you a little something. Um, but we want to do that. That's what they've requested, to really to help um, our hermanos y hermanas uh, who've been impacted by the devastating flood. So I just want to thank you. I, just, I want to thank you as your pastor. Thank you for being generous. It literally is like, Jesus shows us, right? Compassion has a cost. And it literally is your tithes. It's your offerings this month that are going to directly help families in Puerto Rico, Houston, and Florida. In fact, this is so cool. This is why it's awesome being part of a church. This, is so, this was a headline I just saw this week from the Washington Times. Look at this. It says, Christians beat FEMA and in so doing, tame big government. And basically, the article reports as a fact that of all the aid given to hurricane victims right now, 80% has been given by churches, only 20% by FEMA, 80%. That's not knocking FEMA, just saying, isn't that cool? Isn't that awesome? I love that. Uh, it says, in the wake of disaster, it's followers of Jesus 
who are first to give financial support, first to provide food, water, shelter, generators, first to volunteer on the scene, mucking out homes, praying with victims. And the article, this is the Washington Times, people, okay? This is a secular source. Just listen to this. Here's what it writes. It says, imagine that when disaster strikes, it's Christians who lend the quickest hands and provide the most generous assistance. And the article concludes with this question. What's the solution to big government? The way to limited government is through a big-hearted church doing its job. Amen? Preach Washington Times. That's exactly why you want to be part of the global church, guys. We want to be a, a generous church. This is why we take the top 10% of our budget every year just right off the top and give it out to people who can't possibly pay us back. Hurricane victims, homeless veterans, single parents, disabled adults. That's our heart as a church. And just like let you in a little bit, right? Like this is a stretch for us, right? If you remember, we're, uh, we're finishing a construction project right now. Finances are a little bit tight, right? And so our leadership team, we got together this week and we, you know, we prayed and it took us about three minutes to decide. We can't sit on the sidelines as our brothers and sisters around the world suffer and be tight-handed. We've got to be open-hearted and just let the love flow because God blesses that. Do you believe God blesses that? That's, that's the father's heart. And when he sees the love of his son coming out of you, he says, I can trust those people. I think this is like one of the wisest investments we can make. So thank you. Thank you for your giving. Thank you. Yeah, can we thank people who have thanked you? Thank you for that. Thank you for giving and thank you for going. We're not just writing checks. If you haven't heard, love is going to Houston. We are sending the week of love week. So that's October 29th. We are having a missions trip, short-term trip to Houston to help uh, muck out homes and actually rebuild a lot of homes that were um, totaled, the first floors. So they've sort of been kind of mucked out, but now we need people who are skilled in laying floors, hanging cabinets, putting up sheetrock, fixing roofing. If you have those skills, Pastor Mike is leading this Houston missions trip. Just go to the website, liquidchurch.com slash Houston for all the details there. Um, compassion has a cost. Take time off from work. Go and serve. Be the hands of Jesus on a street level. Who is our neighbor, Liquid? <laughs> Some of them are in Newark. Some of them are in New York. Some are in Texas. And some are in Puerto Rico. <laughs> so let's cross the street. Let's cross the states. Let's cross the sea. Guys, we're celebrating our 10th birthday as a church. And if somebody handed me like a birthday cake, you know, <laughs> it was like, make a wish, you know, Pastor Tim, blow out the candles. What's your wish? You know what my wish would be? My wish would that our church would be known as the most loving church in the nation. Not as the church with the good music, not as the church with the good t-shirts, but they're like, man, you, Liquid Church, I don't know what it is, but man, they just love you there. <laughs> they don't care where you're from. They don't care what you've done or who you are. They just, they don't talk about love. They love their neighbors like Jesus loved them. Amen? That's my wish. So let's, let's get, let's, guys, let's go out. Let's go out right now and give ourselves away this fall. Let's spend our lives, and that's how we find them. Let's give Love Week everything we've got. And so what we're going to do is we're going to end the service right now at every campus. We don't have a closing song. We're going to send you out. We're going to hand you a backpack for you to load up for a homeless veteran, and we're going to get the love flowing. Does that sound good? Let me pray for us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we love others because you first, you first loved me. You loved us, and you gave everything. You gave your son. God, you didn't just cross the street. You went from heaven to earth. And Father, not only saved us from our sin, but now you have enlisted us 
in your vision to make all things new. It's about restoration, God. And so, Lord, we say yes. We open our hearts right now. Lord, I just thank you for your generosity to us. May it just flow through us, Lord. And we don't get the credit. We pray all glory goes to Jesus Christ. Father, as these people are now fanning out a river of red into our towns and cities across New Jersey, into Texas, Puerto Rico, Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would protect them, would anoint them, Father God, that there would be lives changed because people encounter the risen Christ through his people. I ask that in Jesus' name. Everyone said together, amen.